This is the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, Wes McAdams, and on today's episode, James Sumner's Sam Dominguez and I discuss the work Christians should be doing. The sponsor of today's episode is Campaign Capitol Hill, which is a grassroots effort by Churches of Christ aimed at raising awareness in the Brotherhood on the fine line between politics and religion, preaching the gospel to our nation's leaders, focusing on repentance and God's standard of morality, and reaching lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can find Campaign Capitol Hill on Facebook at facebook.com slash campaigncapitolhill or on their website at campaigncapitolhill.com. There you'll find more information on how to join the march for God's word. And now let's jump right into our discussion. One of the problems with with women that insist on having a role in the worship assembly or even even men and women that that insist on using their talents you know that's become a big argument for for all manner of of adding things to the worship assembly is I, I need to be able to use my talents for the Lord it's not fair God wouldn't have given me this talent if I couldn't use it for the Lord and and it's like well don't you understand that 99% of your Christianity is lived out outside of the worship assembly that if the only time a woman feels like well if I can't if I can't preach in the worship assembly well then what can I possibly do it's like well most of your time is outside of the worship assembly there's so many things that you can do for the lord and for the church outside of the worship assembly but so often we limit our christian work to that is that kind of what you're talking about mm-hmm. well why do we feel like our um efforts that we make on behalf of Christ uh, in any way need to be tied to what we're good at. Mm. I mean, very often, I mean, the the Lord uh, is glorified through our weakness. And so why then do we feel like, well, I can't do this thing unless I'm good at it, unless I'm skilled at it, or unless in some way it's going to also bring glory to me? Uh, and, And of course, that may not be what is on people's minds, but there's a lot of things where it's like, well, this is something that needs to be done. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not good at that. So mm-hmm. I, I'll wait until there's something that, uh, you know, really is like, oh, well, yeah, that's clearly something that I should be doing. Uh, rather than I would wager maybe the most of the time, the work that needs to be done that we need to be doing as individuals are probably things that we're not good at already or comfortable with. And instead, it's just a matter of opportunity. Right. You're the Christian who's available and so you need to go ahead and do that because it needs to be done. And I think I think it's because we get our we get everything upside down and backwards is because we we examine ourselves first and say what do I want to do? What am I talented at? And then we try to create we try to create opportunities around ourselves rather than letting it be top down and saying okay, what has God told us to do? And some of it has to do with the worship assembly and 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 then fulfilling those roles. But so much of it has to do with feeding the, you know, caring for the widows and the orphans, taking care of, of the poor, you know, helping those that are are disenfranchised. You know, I mean, there's so many things that can be done. Spreading the gospel, um, you know. But but I think so often we focus on talents rather than skills, and I think that's why we have to focus on skills because skill says, okay, here's a job that needs to be done. And then it's a matter of doing it and then becoming good at doing it. I mean, somebody has to preach the gospel. Somebody has to, um, you know, help us to sing congregationally. Somebody, you know, we can talk about what's the expedient way to do that, what's not. But, but some, you know, we need people to, to fill those roles. It's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of getting, having the skill set to do it and, and, to, and, and even to become good at it eventually. 
Well, and you know, it's it's not just a matter. Of, I mean, so many times we we try to draw this line between what is like what are my talents available for for God, and what are my talents for everything else. Well, why do I have to distinguish? Now, now granted, there are certain things that, there are things that we don't do in the worship service in in, a, in assembly. But that doesn't mean that my my talents in other things are not things that can be used to glorify God. I can use talents to do things that we wouldn't do in the worship service to glorify God by by not not for the purpose of. I mean, we just don't separate our life from glorifying God in worship right. and glorifying God in living, because, like you said, the majority of our life is spent in living and not in an assembly of Christians. We're about working. We're about uh, doing our daily tasks, shopping, cleaning dirty diapers, doing whatever. I mean, we've got things to do, and they're actions that we have to do in our life. That if if you're not thinking about it, they have they may in your mind have absolutely nothing to do with your faith in God. But how can that be? If I if I follow Jesus Christ, everything that I do, I do it because I want to glorify my Father in heaven. There's not a single task that I have. There's not a single thing that I do that should that I should allow myself to separate from my work for God. That I should be able to separate. I mean, it's, we've talked about compartmentalizing things before. I cannot compartmentalize um, certain parts of my life and separate them from God, or separate God from the rest of my life. I ha- <clears throat> I, I don't know if I'm. If I'm making well, any I mean, sense, your, your initial yeah, yeah. your initial thought was about work that we specifically do uh, for the church, for the congregation, uh, on behalf of Christ, what what have you, uh, and so you know, there's a little bit of a distinction between you know what I do as a natural process of living a life, um, and the things that I specifically do because I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, the, there's. The only reason there's a requirement for me to do these things is because of my Christian requirement, because of the, the obligations that I have, because of the grace that God has given us. And those actions that we carry out have to come from the overflow. They have to come from the overflow of God's love and God's grace for us. Uh, but I feel like I have to take issue with the, the, the way we use the word talent. And the way we refer to uh, wanting to apply talent and different things, because when people think of talent, you know, the, what what a talent really is 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 we think of something that we are just inherently capable mm-hmm. of or naturally. I didn't have to have. work for it. And the truth of the matter is that nothing we do for God is inherent to us. Nothing that we do, we you know. And what do people say? They go up to to Wes, who is such a, a capable speaker, a capable preacher, and writer. And I said, well, God has blessed you so much. Well, yes, he has blessed you so much. And part of that blessing is that he's given you the work ethic to put behind what you do. Uh, your, your capability as a preacher comes overwhelmingly from the effort you put into it. It's not something that God simply tapped you on the shoulder and uh, empowered you to be able to do that. He empowered you with the desire to put the work into it. And I think a lot of the work that we do as Christians or don't do as individual Christians is because we we don't see the opportunities to, to do the work. Why? Because opportunities so often just look like work. Mm-hmm. And what we're wanting is an outlet for some ability that we have. And so from the fr- outset, we may not be putting the effort to have these abilities because that's hard work. 
And then at the same time, we're shirking the opportunities because they present themselves as just a need for someone to work hard. And we we almost reject these things because there is little to them except work and glory for God. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, <clears throat> and small things can bring glory to God too. I mean, so many times we think of big ways in which we evangelize or preaching or teaching or all these things that seem that that are they are important but there are many times that we we look at those and we put them as that like those are the most significant things and if you don't do that then you're not like a you're not one of the amazing christians but so many times i look around at people who who just when they they see a job they do it they don't ask questions they don't ask to say hey do do does this need to be done they recognize it needs to be done they do it and it gets done I mean, just small things like like uh, taking out the trash after meals and stuff, and and cleaning up counters without no, nobody asks. Nobody this so many times things get done that nobody talks about, and the people who do those kinds of things are are aware of what needs to be done. They're looking for opportunities to do even small things because small things matter and they affect how people look at us, and and it can convey the fact that we care about what's going on enough to, to recognize something needs to be done and I'm going to do it, whether it's small or large, it doesn't matter. Well, that's something I've been trying to, and I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast or not before, but that's something I've been trying to impress on my oldest son, is that he really wants to do things for God, and he wants to do things for the church. He loves to lead a prayer. He loves to read scripture. In fact, he he thinks in his mind, he's seven, and he thinks that he, he could get up on a Sunday morning and preach a sermon, um, and he wants to do that. Uh, but but you know he's not a Christian yet, and you know for a lot of reasons you know he that that's not a job that he needs to do right now. And so um, you know I I, ha- I without without you know dampening his spirit, I have to tell him that's not that's not a job you can do right now. But there are jobs you can do right now. Well, like what? Well. After Sunday morning service, before Sunday evening service, you could go around and there's all kinds of trash all over the floor. Start picking stuff up and throwing it away. Oh, I don't want to do that, you know. And and he'll throw a fit about that, you know, because that's not a job that he wants to do. And that's what that's what all of us have to realize is it doesn't really matter whether you have some super talent at it or whether even even if it's something that you know it's super cool or you know whatever. In fact. That's what the New Testament teaches us, is that the greatest glory, you know, if we can use that word, goes to those servants who are willing to do the jobs that nobody else notices just because they need to, do, they need to be done and they do it for the glory of God. And, and it's, it's the washing feet, it's the, the making clothes, it's the taking care of the, the orphans, it's the doing the good deeds with the right hand when the left hand doesn't know what you're doing. I mean, it's that kind of stuff that, that we've got to not only teach ourselves, but we've got to teach the next generation. You you find the jobs that need to be done, and you do it for the glory of God. Don't worry about getting credit for it. Don't don't worry about finding the jobs that put you in the spotlight or make you look good. Do the jobs that need to be done. Well, you, you develop a servant heart, the heart of a servant. I hate that ungrammatical phrase, but anyway. You develop the heart of a servant by doing that type of work, by doing servant work. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve each other. I mean, by being deacons, we are servants of the congregation. And I think a lot of us simply can't get our ego out of the equation and separate that and, and recognize that it has no place in the work of service that we do before God. And I think there are a lot of Christians, myself included, who 
immediately started doing as as the first real work that they did in the church things that put you up in front of people that got you accolades that made people pat you on the back and tell you how good you did and that kind of thing you skip immediately to doing that type of work without first having developed the heart of a servant without first having humbled yourself so that you could serve other people and then what happens? You start getting to the point where you really like those pats on the back. You like doing things that make people think that you're pretty clever and make you, make people think that you're pretty smart. You start doing things to earn the accolades. And you can see that that's a, a massive problem throughout, uh, throughout churches everywhere, people who have that attitude because they never did works of service to other, pe- other Christians and didn't recognize that those aren't small things. Those are huge things. And what we've got to realize, I think, and this goes back to what you said earlier about the overflow and you know, and the servant's heart. But it's the idea that this isn't a social club. It's not. It's not a civic club where we say, okay, you know, write down your talents, and then we'll try to plug you in where you're really good, and you know, and we want you to feel fulfilled and all these things. And so often we try to make the church that. And and th- there's something to be said for competency, and you know, and 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 even likability, how much you like a task and a job and that kind of thing. And, you know, that's not to be discounted totally. But our service should come from the fact that we're saved. And the fact that Jesus saved us should so overwhelm us. It's like, put me to work. I want to do something. And don't y'all find—I get frustrated with that, with with those that are so unmotivated Christians that that— they say, well, if you don't put me to work, well, then, you know, I'll just leave or I won't do anything. It's up to you to to put me to work. And it's like, wait a second, why? Why why not just find something that needs to be done and do it? Do it. You know, yes, absolutely. Those that are in leadership positions ought to help plug in those that are new Christians. And, and I absolutely think that that's true. But but Christianity, the New Testament always puts it off on me. You know, it, it's never—I don't get to sit around and wait for you to do the right thing before I'm obligated to do the right thing. I've got to do what I'm supposed to do. And so there's never a time where God says, if nobody plugs you in, it's okay for you to just sit there and don't do anything. That That's never okay. You find something to do. Pester somebody if you have to, but but do what needs to be done. Find the jobs and, and do it, no matter what it is. Well, you know, the example of, of your son and how— how we deal with teaching our kids to have that servant heart, we have to start with ourselves to make sure it's like, okay, what am I what am I doing right now and what are they seeing me do? And and how do I show them the heart that I have in the heart that I want them to have? So what do I need to change in my life to to build them up in such a way that they will naturally desire to fill in the the cracks and the holes and the 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 places where where things need to be done but nobody wants to do it. Um, I, I I always love to. I we have an Apple TV and have pictures go along and every now and then I see a picture of Wes vacuuming the uh, the fellowship hall and I I, I love that picture because it just reminds me of. I love that that's on your Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it it just reminds me that so many times it's it's easy for me and I I'll. I like to give the excuse. I'm the youngest child in my family. I've always understood how to get in people's way. I understand that. It's very easy for me to just stand around and say, hmm, wow, look at them working. Wow, that's, man, I wish I thought to do that. And, you know, (laughs) 
But you know what? So you just you just gotta. Sometimes you have to butt in. If something's being done and somebody else is doing it, maybe you just need to say, "Hey, why don't you go and take care of something else? I'll take care of this instead of you doing. It. I can take care of that." If you if if you didn't think of it first, maybe you can maybe you can assist. You don't have we don't have to wait for someone to invite us to do something. There's always things for us to do. There's always things for us to to be involved in. And remember that. It's not, again. It's not about us. It's not about glory. It's about bringing glory to God, even in the smallest things that we do. And so many times, again, back to the talent. Um, so many times we shut down our we shut down ourselves from the opportunity of serving because I don't have a like like Sam said a talent in something. I don't have. And what that amounts to is really, like you said, we we've come to understand talents. Though I don't know that this is really a natural truth. Um, though in some areas there may be, but talents, in, inherent things that I naturally do without any application or ever understanding, I suddenly have this ability. Is that even possible? I like music. Some people say, well, this person has a natural talent in music. Well still they had to develop it to some degree you may have a natural inclination to enjoy music and and understand music but still to be able to do something with that you can't just not use that talent that ability that that gift so what we have to do is we develop it we we use it like Wes he's he's always he's often preaching reg- regularly at least twice. Whether anybody's there to listen or not, I'm often <laughs> <Yeah>. preaching. <laughs> and 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 writing blogs and writing. Uh, he's got a book. He's we we do these podcasts. We have these discussions. We're developing our relationship because it's something that we practice. It's something that we're doing. It's something that we're we're building in ourselves. The the skill of communicating with each other and and uh, and whatnot. But it's not something that if we just if we didn't do it that we would still have this a skill. And these things that we've developed, we can also lose if we don't if we don't practice the actions that we that we we've been doing. Um, if we if uh, someone stops speak stops preaching, they may lose uh, their skill in preaching. But that doesn't mean that they should stop, or that doesn't mean that they shouldn't continue on. I think people desire to find outlets for what they perceive to be talents, because the simple fact is. They want to find something that they can do that doesn't require constant effort, that doesn't require maintenance mm-hmm. of ability, that doesn't require uh, you know the sweat of the brow uh, to to be good at it and to maintain and to grow. Um, you know, it's it's just an inherent laziness that we have. You know, if if I can just naturally sing, well then yeah, I'll go be a song leader, but don't ask me to teach or don't ask me to go move somebody's furniture or something like that. And instead, we, we need to not be looking for easy outlets. We simply need to be doing whatever needs to be done. But it's, I think we, we forget uh, sometimes, uh, to, to reference back to Wes's series on, on the elders and the elderships, it always strikes me that uh, Paul's uh, description of it is that you know, whoever desires the office of overseer, you know, he's seeking a good work. And a lot of times we, we would immediately discount someone who desired that office. Oh, you, well, you want to be an elder? Well, you're too eager, buddy. You, you sit down. And yet we forget about the fact that we need to be desiring to do this work. 
And of course, that's the that's the beauty of the way Paul words it. It's like you desire this position. Well, what you desire is a good work. But we need to be people who desire to do good work. It needs to be something that we want to do. And if we want to do work, and if we want to do servant work for each other, we're always going to find a way to get it done. There's always going to be something that needs to be done. And it's not always going to be the situation of, well, you know, I'm going to be the one who takes it for the team because nobody wants to do this and I'm going to step up and get it done. No, there's always going to be somebody doing it, whether you recognize it or not. But at the same time, what often happens uh, in churches and in congregations is that there's somebody carrying too much of the load, mm-hmm. whether that's you know because they desire to too much and they won't let anybody help them. But very often you'll find people who, you know, you'll, you'll find congregations where someone reaches a certain maturity level to where they recognize the need for them to start working in the church. And there's somebody standing right beside them to say, well, here you go, boom, and we dump the load onto their shoulders. And it's like, well, we're going to work you into the ground until you can't take it anymore, and then you walk away. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be somebody who's doing work, and there's doing a lot of work, somebody who's putting in more time than they really need to, who is making more sacrifices than ought to be necessary because you're there and can carry some of that load for them. And like you were saying, sometimes we just need to step in and say, hey, I know you're doing this good work, and I know you love and desire to do this good work. You don't need to take it all on yourself. Let me help you do this work. Let me help balance this load, because it shouldn't. the work of the church should not be anything that burns us into the ground, that buries us and makes us want to not work anymore. Because I've seen so many Christians who desire to do good work, and they get so much work ladled upon them, not all of which is good work. A lot of it's just busy work that we generate because we run the congregation like a business, and eventually they lose that desire. You know, and all of this comes down to why, why is it so important? I mean, <clears throat> are we saved by these works? No. But, but you know, it, just thinking a couple of weeks ago, the, the idea, you look in Galatians, and there's the, the fruit of the Spirit. Right before the fruit of the Spirit is the, is the what? The deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh. And you have the works of the flesh compared with the fruit of the Spirit. What is produced in you versus what you would be doing if you weren't this fruitful member of the kingdom. Um, We're not, we are not, our works are not what define us as Christians. But without without work... I mean, we were def- we were made for works. We were made for the good work. We we are the light of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You don't light a candle and throw it under a, a bushel, but you display it where where it can light the room. The point of all that is so that our deeds do what they glorify our Father in heaven. And so when people see our works, they will glorify Him. Not so that they will glorify us. Not so that they will reflect on me. Not so that they will reflect on on how great a person I am, but how what what a Christian looks like, what what God's people look like, what God wants His people to be doing, the works that we have to do, whether big or small, whether it's whether it's taking out the trash, um, whether it's whether it's cleaning up the floors or picking up trash, whether it's uh, teaching a children's class or whether it's uh, preaching, wh- whatever it is, the works that we have to do, we we do them because we want to glorify God and we want others to glorify God. By because of our actions, as much as um, I mean, and that's why we do it. We do it because we want people 
to glorify God and see that we glorify God as well. And shouldn't shouldn't there always be this this sense of pointing to each other and not not never pointing to ourselves to say, see, this is what good works look like, but pointing to other people and saying, see, that's what good works look mm-hmm. like. Um, you know, and and I found that with my kids, that's the best way to teach them is to point to somebody else. They, they see me as dad, and you know, too often I'm the bad guy. You know, I'm the meanest dad in the whole world. But when I point at someone else, and you guys thought you had that title. No, yeah, no. I was, it's, like, it's like no, yes, was that you? That's yeah, you. I, I am the meanest dad in the world. Anyway, um, but I will, uh, you know, like uh, Tommy and Sheila Holmes and Gina Madeley are about to go to Zambia to start a um, a children's home there, and I mean they're leaving their lives here, pulling up stakes and going over there, and nothing has inspired my boys more than that. Um, my boys want to give every. It, they've determined, especially the oldest one, Malachi, has determined that he's going to give every penny he gets between now and Christmas to Zambia, and he's emptied out his piggy bank several times into the into the Zambia fund. And I say that because before before Tommy and Sheila got up and and or before Tommy got up and explained what they were going to do, it was all we could do to give to get him to give a portion of his income to the church. I mean, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. He wasn't inspired to give until he saw a work that like that, and he saw what someone else was doing, and he wanted to go to Zambia. He wants to help those kids in Zambia. Another time, I had a Facebook friend that was a, that's a preacher, and he was doing mission work uh, where they had just had an earthquake. And I showed the boys the pictures of of the earthquake, and you know the the buildings that were rubble, and some of the video, and and they they prayed about those those people for months and months and months afterwards. And so it it's really awesome, and I think that's the way it should be in the church, where we say, "Hey, hey, look at James, look at Sam, look at Cameron, and and look at what they're doing." Where we inspire each other. I mean, that's what that's what the Hebrew writer is doing in Hebrews eleven, pointing way back to say, "Look at these people." By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Joseph. By faith, you know. And so pointing to these people and saying, "This is what faith looks like. This is what good works look like." And we ought always, but too often we want the credit. You know, we want to stand up, and and people see that for what it is. Uh, but but if we're pointing to each other, we're we're glorifying God, and we're inspiring those good works in others. Well, we also have to be unafraid, uh, like, like we already talked about uh, previously, First uh, Corinthians eleven, to say, emulate me, mm-hmm. look at me. Yeah. Uh, that may not always be the most effective way mm-hmm. to convince people, especially our children. You know, the, the prophet gets no respect at home, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> but we we need to be unafraid to do that because we should want people to know that yes, I am doing this, and I'm doing it for the right reasons. When you see me do this. This is why I'm doing this work. This is why I'm unafraid to do this thing, whether it's a natural ability, whether it comes comfortably to, to me or not. I recognize there's a need, and I need to do that need. I need to meet that need for somebody, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, something I want to do, whether it fits into my schedule appropriately or not. Um, you know, too, too often we we are unwilling to stand up and represent Christ mm-hmm. in a very uh, forthright and public way. And yet, uh, you know, Paul admonishes us that that is, in fact, what we need to be doing. 
And we need to, at the same time, uh, not, not be immature in our understanding about the quality and worth of work that people do. Uh, I, I have seen Christians who, if you present a big whiz-bang mission work that we're going to proceed into, man, they'll, they'll get all excited about that one, and they'll go all into it. But if there's simply a daily recurring need that needs to be taken mm-hmm. care of with somebody, well, I, I can't be troubled with that. That doesn't excite me. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't inspire me doesn't to do work me. for God. It doesn't move me. Mm-hmm. Rather than doing the work because you already have been moved mm-hmm. by the love of God. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times where the work that needs to be done is giving someone a ride. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be... Um, it needs to be things that are just sacrifices of your time in very mundane ways. Sometimes the greatest need that someone has is to just have a friend. You know, there are some uh, elderly people who what they really need is just someone to visit with. They just need someone to spend time and let them talk and let them tell old stories and enjoy their wisdom and their knowledge and, and just to be a good friend to them. And a lot of times those are the things that don't excite us. They don't uh, inspire us. And yet that's the important thing that needs to be done. These relationships that need to be fed uh, by our love, that's where we are needed. And yet without that excitement, sometimes we can't be bothered to get out of our chair. I think there's also uh, a problem that exists uh, in in consideration of, of being excited and motivated to do work where a lot of people think that the work of the church is what we spend our money on. Mm. Yeah. It's wherever... You know, the work of the church is something that the elders have decided to spend money on, and I, and I can get behind that. And I, I have successfully uh, done the work of the church by giving the money that was spent on it, uh, rather than recognizing uh, that, uh, you know, the work is the, is the sweat of your brow, your blood, your time, your tears, the effort that you put into it. Your money was a gift to God. What happened to it after that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. The work that's asked of us is our sweat, our tears, our time. My brother, who writes lots of different songs of all kinds, uh, wrote a song called uh, Put Your Work Clothes On. Yes, I love that song. Uh, so put your work clothes on and go labor for the master. I mean, that's what... You know, when we hear when we hear great lessons, when we read the Bible, when we when we've been singing and praying, the product of these things is 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 act should be action, should be uh, should be deeds. It's not because we don't do deeds because they save us. We do deeds because we're filled with so much. It's like we were talking about laughter previously. Um, laughter is just basically an overflow of joy and emotion and and happiness. What is what is work for a Christian? A Christian's work should be an overflow of love for God and a desire to show that in a physical sense so that the world may glorify him so that that light can be seen. Cause otherwise if I wreck, like we've talked about before, I say, amen. And I just sit back and do nothing. Then, then I haven't really been filled with the spirit of God, with the word of God. I haven't been filled with the joy of my salvation if I sit back and say, that's right, I'm done. Good job. You did it. I watched it, and that was amazing. And I'm done. Or, yes, I agree. That is a great need. Someone needs to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Not me. Well, and that's what I think. I think we live in a unique time in that 
we feel like we're crusaders doing some great work when we post about it on Facebook or Twitter. And, you know, it's like, I mean, there, there may be some good that, that is accomplished by encouraging, I'm sure, I know there is good that's accomplished by encouraging one another online and by bringing things to people's attention and those kind of things. But, I mean, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that if you like something, then, you, then you're really supporting the work of God. It's like, come on now, we, we've, got to, we've, we've got to get out and... and and touch people, help people, encourage people, hug people, um, you know, visit children in the hospitals. We've got to go out and visit the widows in the nursing homes. We've got to rake some little old couple's lawn. You know, th- those kinds of good works, that's what we need to do, be doing. But all too often, we're content with just posting on Facebook, you know, this needs to happen, or I'm sick of this, or I'm sick of that, or, or this is the way the world needs to be, and thinking that we've accomplished some great work in doing so. Instead of just looking for the looking for the opportunity, so many times I've I've wished, in some cases, when uh, well, I wish somebody would tell me that this person needed something. It's like, well, did you ever talk to him? Mm-hmm. It's partly my fault. If I don't know that someone has a need, well, part of the problem is that I haven't been involved enough in their lives to actually see the opportunities that are laid before me. Because that's what we're talking about, really, is looking for and acting upon the opportunities that are placed in our lives so that we may show that light to God. You know, I I think a lot of times we mistakenly tie everything that we do uh, as far as work in the congregation to something that needs to be evangelistic in the sense of it has to be an outreach to unbelievers. And yet, you know, looking back at, at Paul... Uh, praising the Macedonians for the work that they were doing, for the giving that they were doing. And what does he say the outcome of that was? It wasn't that these unbelievers uh, were glorifying to God, although that may or may not have happened. What he specifically says is, your fellow Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem and in Corinth are thanking God and are glorifying God because of what you're doing. And we fail to recognize the evangelism, the uplifting, the edifying that takes place between Christians in a congregation. You know, there are a lot of times where, you know, well, I, I don't want to do, uh, you know, for instance, I don't want to have a spiritual conversation unless I'm recording it and I'm going to put it out there for thousands <laughs> of people to be able to listen and all this kind of stuff, rather than just saying, you know what, I'm going to have the spiritual conversation with that person and it's going to be edifying for us. And we were the only people involved, but it was edifying for us to have that conversation and it was quality time that we spent, and recognizing that doing work that does nothing more than bring glory to God among fellow Christians, and it never leaves, no one ever finds out about it, nobody ever knows that it took place, that is just as important, and we don't need to ignore the needs of our fellow Christians uh, for the sake of pursuing the unbeliever. Mm -hmm. We need to be edifying and building each other up. It all comes down to Galatians 6.10, you know, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to the household of faith. Amen. A big thanks to all of our guests and to Cameron McElyay for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope this discussion inspires you to have these kinds of spiritual discussions with people in your life. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please call and leave us a short voicemail at 707-238-2216. That's 707-238-2216. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.